Marco Torres, Mr. Well, I'll let you do the whole IG thing. Yeah. Marco Torres, also known as Marco from Houston. Houston, uh, baby. Puro Northside, Houston, Texas. Hey. The real Northside, not, hey. you know, the Woodlands or Spring. Or, hey. Hey. I mean, I don't have anything against any of those places. But we all know where Hey, what Northside are you from, though? Hold on. 45 and Airline. My boy, I'm on 45 <laughs> West Road Airline. You know what I'm saying? No, that was horrible. Yeah, that we're, was horrible. We're not we from got, the same. We got, we're not we from the same. Not at all. At <laughs> all. <laughs> I've been I've been done tossed around from the north side to the south side to the Nigerian community to the Hispanic Damn. community to the white community. I don't even know how to act anymore. <laughs> it's crazy, man. Anyway, yeah, that's me, Marco from Houston. Nice. All right, guys, we're done. Podcast <laughs> over. Yeah, Thanks, man. So for the people who don't know who you are, yeah, give us a quick little. Introduction. So I'm a photographer and taco journalist. And a lot of people ask me if that's the best job in the world. And yes, it is the best job in the world. Uh, which means I get paid to take photos <laughs> of different events and I get paid to eat tacos, take photos of tacos, and report on the taco um, area of the world. The industry of tacos. <laughs> taco journalism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty, pretty sweet gig. I mean, Beats what I was doing before. When I got out of college, I worked in oil and gas for about three or four years, and mm-hmm. then I worked in at a, at a, in finance for like eight years. Where did you go to college at? I went to the University of St. Thomas, mm-hmm. right down the street of Montrose in West Alabama. All right, so nice. what happened first? The love of tacos or the love of photography? Tacos, for sure. For sure. I have a photo of myself at like three or four years old. It's like they took the bottle out of my hand, out of my <laughs> mouth, and put a taco in my hand. It's me and my dad eating tacos at the dinner table. I have a naive question. I'm Nigerian, so I had no choice but to eat Nigerian food yeah. when I was coming up. Yeah. Is it the same thing for you guys as you're coming up being Hispanic? Is uh, it like Hispanic food forced on you? Nah, not, not for me it wasn't. It's kind of like that's what there is. Like there is no like, oh, I don't want to eat tacos today. Let me go to KFC or let me go to Pizza Hut. It'd be like, do you have Pizza Hut money? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, no, and the answer was no, we did not have Pizza Hut money. For me, no, because so my mom was my mom was a single mother, and so since she worked late hours, my I would stay with my aunt until my until my mom would get home from school. Well, my aunt was married to a white guy uh-huh. for years, years and years. So my other, my cousin he's half white and he's half Hispanic. So so you guys had like beans and rice, like weird shit. Like and he he's like potato salad with raisins. He was like it. one of those like <laughs> 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 no, not that. Ah. So to me, like Papa John is white. Like we oh, eat yeah. Papa John's pizza. I, I hate like Papa, Papa John. That is the most. That is the worst. No, that is well the sauce. Yes, the, the, the pizza no. nude. Pizza's trash. Yeah. And I will say that despite whatever Papa John has done recently. But before that, growing up, Papa John's and I thought Hertz was trash. I still think Hertz is trash. Hertz is chicken. Hertz. 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 Because Hertz is a rental car place. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Hertz <laughs> chicken. Hearts. Nah, Hearts has good bro. rolls though. The rolls fire. Nah. The chicken's okay. So the chicken, it goes, Popeye's gets the best. Yeah. 
then uh well our frenchies are, you know well, messed up no you gotta go to nah, new no. orleans to eat fried chicken no yeah 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 there's a difference between popeyes in new orleans and popeyes like yeah, yeah. there yeah. is there is it really is but in houston yeah afc oh, yeah. gets the best chicken popeyes gets the next best chicken and then churches gets the third best chicken and then everybody else well see no, I, I think popeyes number one I might, it might be it might be to me to me me to personally because yeah. i like spicier food I, I do too well i don't like spicy food but the chip so KFC's uh, white car talking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nah, yeah, I don't like spicy food, bro. I'm not even getting details about what it does. You were in but, Japan, you didn't eat any spicy food out there? Uh, no wasabi. Maybe we was eating ramen and stuff. Ramen has spice. I don't put it? all that in there. I just get like the broth, chicken, chicken. You know what though? I do go to ramen tatsuya and ask for broth, noodles, and pork belly. That's it. And I put like a shitload of soy sauce in there if it's bad. But the ramen in Tokyo was amazing. But uh, you know who's there now? The suffers. I mean, I feel like as soon as I left from there, I'm just like, Everybody every yeah, I'm like, Jesus, and, and bless, and, and then Bun they B. They had the whole, yeah. Surfers, I mean, good Lord. Bun B was just there for the yeah, whole gumball thing, gumball, yeah. and I, I didn't know. I was surprised that was his first time ever going, he said. Yeah. So that was interesting to me, but uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, off of that. I want to go there one day. I'd definitely should. I think you should. Ramen there, like, I don't look at I want to take my little brother. My little brother's a real connoisseur of Japanese culture. See, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's how so I, I, I kind of want to take him just to. Kind of fulfill his, his lifelong dream. That was my lifelong, like no yeah. lie, that was my lifelong yeah. dream, man. So Jesus. But, but yeah, uh, back yeah. to me. Yeah, back to you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, photographer, I, I did. Uh, I worked for. So in between, when I was working for, uh, the, uh, I was actually working at a credit union for ten years, or for I don't know, a long time, almost ten years. In between, then is when I started taking photos. So one of my uncles was a photographer. He did all film, and he shot quinceañeras and weddings and senior portraits and stuff like that, but on film. Like, this was before Disney. Yeah. He thug it, thug it. And, like, I I wanted, I, I was always interested in what he did, but I never really, like, he lived off of Belfort. Like, he lived in the south, the south side. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'm in, I'm in the north side. Like, it, it'd take forever to get there, and I would never be able to go and help him or anything like that. But then I had other uncles that had, like, a muffler shop, a radiator shop, so my mom would send me to the, and during the summer to go work with them to learn how to work and, you know, do you want to do this the rest of your life? Or do you want to go to school? So yeah, well, I guess I got to go to school. You know, yeah, I go to college. Hit, yeah, I'll see so, with that. Dude. <laughs> um, but yeah, my uncle had a had a um, photography business. It was pretty successful. But when he retired, you know, his his kids, my my cousins, didn't want to take over the business, and they kind of asked me if I wanted to, and I was like, I'm not really into it at that point. So it just kind of went away. Dang. Jump forward a couple couple years in the future after that is when I picked up a digital camera because, okay, I could do computers. I could do digital. I just didn't think I was cut out for, like, the yeah. the light, the dark room and stuff like that. So yeah. just did it and picked it up. Every year got better and better. And then uh, I think I picked up my first Rebel, Canon Rebel XT, like, 04, 05, something like that. And I was well-known as a documenting uh, graffiti and street art and abandoned buildings in, in the Houston area. Mm-hmm. Um, I was uh, one of three guys in Houston that were real big into documenting that and putting it on Flickr and getting it. Like, right then, there was an mm. Instagram and there wasn't Snapchat and there was no Facebook. It was like, oh, my photo got on the Explore page of Flickr and all these people liked it. Like, it was, like, amazing. Yeah. And then um, in 2009, June 2009, I got my first assignment with the Houston Press. My first show was at Warehouse Live at a Bun B and Friends show. Hmm. And I got to take photos of Bun, got to meet Trey and Chameleon Air and Paul Wall. And 
I mean, everybody who was anybody in Houston, you know, it was Bumby and Friends. And I think this was like the first show, maybe the second show after Pimp C had passed away. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a lot of people there, you know. Man, that, that night changed my life. Like, there was one photo that I specifically remember of Bun looking at me while he was on stage, looking down at the photo pit and kind of just throwing me the H. And I was able to f- miraculously do the settings on my camera and focus on time and get that one photo. When I when I took it home and edited it, I was like, I could do this for the rest of my life. Like, what am I doing yeah. singing in an office? <laughs> and then, yeah, five years later, I, I was full-time photography. And that was I left my day job in 2013, and I've been doing photography ever since. I did 10 years for the Houston Press, and then now I do Houston Chronicle and Houstonia Magazine. And, uh, yeah, half of what I do is journalism. And the other half is freelance, full-time freelance. So, like, when your parents found out you were, like, going to start doing photography, they were like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, I mean, my mom passed uh, in 07. Okay. Uh, so, it's like, she she wanted me to finish college, and I did. It took me a while. After my four years, I still needed, like, two or, two or three classes to finish everything, like, my thesis and everything like that. And it took me a while to do it, but after I, I finished it, like, I finished it because, you know, I wanted to make sure that... She was looking down on me. Yeah. And, okay, he finally finished what I wanted him to finish. But after that, it's like, it's like I don't know. Like I don't really want to do oil and gas anymore. I don't really want to work in finance anymore. What do I really want to do? And then photography just kind of, I just kind of found me. Like somebody was selling a camera for cheap. I was like, I'll do. It. I'll I'll get it. Let me get it. Let me do this. And then just kind of did it and worked as an assistant for a couple of people that were real cool and. Learned from a lot of photographers. There used to be a website called texasphotoforum.com. Again, this is before Facebook. This is before Instagram. This is before a lot of things where forums and websites were. Yeah. And uh, texasphotoforum.com. I got to meet a bunch of people, become a second shooter at different events and weddings and different things, and just learn. Learn how to use a camera. Learn how to work with people. Learn how to edit photos, you know, learn different things that I didn't, I didn't go to school for this. That's yeah. one of the things that people ask me, did you go to school for photography or for journalism? And I'm like, I did not just kind of picked it up and learned it along the way. Cause a, a lot of your thing, this, like the concerts or events you shoot, you also write for them. Mm-hmm. You also write the articles, right? Do you do e- it? Even that happened by accident. I, I went to, I, I went to one show one time and the writer didn't show up and it was a slim thug show at house of blues. So I took it upon myself to write, uh, the review and the editor either I didn't think it was any good didn't like what I said or whatever they ended up taking tweets from people who were at the show <laughs> putting them in an article and then putting my photos on top I was like wow this sucks like <laughs> do I really suck that bad and I don't know I never really asked them the circumstances behind that but that's just what they decided I mean editors our editors, they yeah. do what they think is best for the publication. A year later, same thing happened. I showed up at a show. The writer didn't show up. I was taking photos, and I told my editor, hey, I don't, I don't think the person's here. What do you want me to do? And they're like, take, photo, or take notes and write the article and submit it tomorrow. And it was an Ice Cube show at House of Blues again. Oh. And I took photos, and I wrote the article, and the editor liked it and put it in the put it in the Houston press and then I just started reviewing and shooting shows and it just has worked 
since then. Yeah, my I could see how bad mine's would be because I'm horrible. <laughs> show well, show was tight, took picks. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I like, do <laughs> want to give props to a couple people at the Houston Press. Uh, Chris Gray was my music editor at the Houston Press. He helped me out tremendously. Um, there was a couple other people that helped me out. The guy that helped me out probably the most is a, a name that many people may or may not know, but probably know. Is, his name is Shea Serrano. Shea Serrano used to write for the Houston Press. He used to write most of the reviews for hip-hop and rap shows. And he used to write an article, um, a column called The Nightfly, mm-hmm. which he would go to different bars and restaurants and like nightclubs and like uh, write about like the nightlife scene in Houston. But for like two years from when I started in 09 until when he stopped um, writing for the press, I would sh- take photos of most of his articles. Mm-hmm. So if you go back to the press now and you look at his articles, a lot of those reviews, especially those reviews, would be my, would be my photos. Oh. He would make me, I lived in Northside, I still live in Northside. He, would make, he lived over by uh, NRG Reliant. He mm-hmm. would make me go pick him up from his house, <laughs> take him to the show, take him back home, and then I would go back home, edit the photos. This was before Uber. This was before Uber and Lyft. I mean, I'm old, guys. I just had a birthday. I turned 38 last <laughs> two, two or three days ago. Happy birthday. So this is before Happy Uber. Birthday, Thank you. Before Facebook, before Instagram. This is crazy. Like, I learned a lot of stuff prior to the new generation that exists now. Mm-hmm. And I really think that that helped me out a lot because now there's a lot of photographers, especially, like, on Instagram, that are doing things and I don't hate on them. I don't hate at all. I appreciate what they're doing. They do some amazing work. You know, they, their photos are fire. They get models and they get, you know, artists and they get all kinds of things. And every now and then they do bigger and better things, but man, it's for them to do something like what we do, where it's like you're working for a client or you're working for an agency or you're working for an editor or a magazine or a newspaper. And you actually need, so many uh, different types of shots for the client to look at and to review, it'd be tough for them to thrive in that environment because they don't, have the, they don't have the experience. Yeah, no formal training right? in what people want. I, I, I've been blessed with that. Like I, I had a lot of people along the way because I'm right. pre-IG too that, you know, taught me little things and helped me out. So yeah. I agree with that for real, for real. Yeah, well, what helped me is like when I started working with Style Magazine, mm-hmm. one of the editors, one of the editors there, she like really, she she gave me a chance, right? You know, and that that put me into that world. So I wasn't just like, because I mean, there's people now that ask me about like, oh, how are you working with this and are you working with that? And it's like for me, it was just kind of like, I guess in a sense, luck because I had met mm-hmm. somebody in the beginning, and they had introduced me, to, right. they had brought me into a meeting that Style Magazine was having. They're like, oh, hey, like he's up and coming, like use him. Right. And that happened, and then she was like, hey, like we're gonna find a way to start paying you. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, awesome. And then she started <laughs> showing me like the ins and outs, and she even asked me a few times if I wanted to write. And I was like, no, nah, I don't yeah. think I want to write. Was this Lisa? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So shout out to amazing. Lisa. No, man, I, I love, I love Lisa. Like she helped me out a ton, yeah. a ton, a ton, a ton. Yeah. And like, no, nah, I definitely have like love for her. So. I think the other thing about Houston is, you know, there's no indus- formal industry here for <laughs> arts and entertainment, like it's funny Atlanta or in LA or <laughs> yeah. New York or even Nashville. But the people that you do meet and the people that you do work with 
go a long way. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like, okay, they work for one agency or one one publication or whatever, but they know other publications and other people and other um, agencies or whatever. Then and then you, you're not you're gonna have a chance and opportunity to work with other people even though you haven't met them. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of like the whole Houston is a big small town kind of thing. Like you know somebody who knows somebody, which is amazing. And not in a crazy way like in New York, like, oh, you can't work here because I, you haven't been part of the family. You haven't yeah, been part yeah, of the team yeah, yeah. since whatever. Like here, it's like, okay, are you available? Will this budget work for you? And that's it. Then do it. Yeah. And if it doesn't, they'll find them. Somebody else down yeah. the pipeline. Yeah, that's true, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's get right over you. Like, okay. Yeah. Right. So, I've, been, I've been lucky enough to know a lot of, uh, along the way, meet a lot of photographers, artists, DJs, um, people who run uh, publications and agencies and just kind of are also putting in work. Oh, I was going to actually show, I mean, we never really got the official how'd you start working for uh, Houston Press. I sent out a bunch of emails to, back then it was like Houston Press, Houston Chronicle had a, a, a separate little arts and entertainment. I think they would come out on Thursdays called 2995. Mm-hmm. And I did some work for them. Um, I think there was like 002 Magazine, which is now local magazine. Yeah. And back then there was another magazine called Envy Magazine. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Basically, I took like five or six publications that I wanted to work for and sent out emails and sent out like my portfolio, which is really just like a link on my website that had like the best of the best photos that I've taken so far. I got lucky from when I started taking photos until I started getting paid for photos of either calling venues or or managers or some artist managers and getting photo passes and uh, tickets to shows. So I had my portfolio was okay, was was better than average. Mm-hmm. And then it just took that one person, Chris Gray at the Houston Press, to say, okay, go, sh- we need you to go, uh, Marco, go uh, to this Bumby and Friends show. And it just kind of went from there. That year I did like 10 events or 10 concerts for them. Next year I did about 50. The year after that I did about 100. The year after that I, I just lost count. And it just got better and better every year. And then it went from Houston Press to... Houston Press and this, and then Houston Press and this one and this one, and then Houston, it just kind of snowballed. And now when I quit my day job, it's like, okay, I just have all this time and all this energy to make myself great. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. And um, I've been fortunate enough and blessed enough to, you know. I have some great, you know, you, you've had some great opportunities. Some of the stuff when I'm there shooting it, I'm like, man, I'm here. And Mark was like, hey, what's up, Fred? <laughs> What's up? How you doing today? Yeah, yeah another well, day at the that, office. That's important. The the camaraderie between people in Houston, I think, also sets us apart because we're not in New York, we're not in Miami, we're not in LA. So Houston is not as cutthroat as other cities. Number one, the cost of living here is exponentially lower than other cities. Mm-hmm. So. I, for myself, I know I've had this conversation with some of the rappers and uh, and some of the DJs. And as far as photography goes, if I get two, three, four well-paying gigs a month, I'm I'm good for the for the month. I'm good. Yeah. But if in New York, LA, whatever, all these other you need three, four, five good-paying gigs a week to survive. Yeah. 
So the, the, the industry here is not as cutthroat as other cities, and it's good and it's bad. It's good because we get to be creative, we get to do our thing, we get to kind of roll with the process and yeah. set our goals and kind of work the way we want to. It's bad because sometimes you get complacent and lazy because you're like, oh, I've done my four gigs, I have this much money in the bank, these invoices are getting paid, let me chill out for a few weeks or let me chill out for a week. I know it's different for you because you have a family and you have kids. No, I still do it too. I'm single. I'm single. I don't have any kids. So same, same. I'm, same. I'm, bro. I look up and I'm like, yo, you've been on Netflix for the past three days. <laughs> go, go do something. No, but right now, if any of my clients tune in, I'm getting you guys weddings done. <laughs> but uh, when I don't have anything, like you said, I, oh, man, I've made my money. I'm good. Yeah, man, what's on Netflix? Like Oz- Ozark, o- Ozark, Ozark, Ozark. I'm just—it's itching me. Yeah, I'm, so, watch I'm watching it. it at night. I'm watching only at night before I go to sleep. I can't watch it yet because I know if I if I start watching it, I'm these weddings are not gonna get done. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, man, once I get these all out the way, and then I have other things, I'm probably gonna be a month to two months behind everybody on that. Yeah. So I no, think, I completely understand. I think a lot of people, a lot of clients. And people in general don't know the amount of work that we go through as far as taking a photo. Actually, taking a mm. photo is 5 to 10% of what we do. Oh, yeah. We have to network. We have to edit. We have to invoice. We have, you're, you, as, your own, um, entre- as an entrepreneur, as your own business, you are all these departments. You are accounts payable. You are your marketing. You are your whatever. When you work for a company, you have other people doing that for you. And all you're doing is your work. Yeah. But as your own boss, you're doing everything. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. Like, why, why is Fred a month or two behind? It's because he's shot all these things, and he's doing everything for all these things. So I understand. A lot of people don't understand it, but nah, it, we get it. We get it. And I wish more people would get it. In- People just think you're just in front of your computer like 24/7. Like, oh hey, can you see me this? Yeah. Or hey, what do you, can you like? Can I well, see plus this? Plus, we have a life. Like, yeah, it's like bro, you I'm might not be in home. Austin, you yeah. might be anywhere else. I'm not school. even home right now. <laughs> it's like I'll, I'll, I will get to it asap, and asap definitely means as soon as possible. Possible being the key word. Yeah. Because we may be at another gig. You might be with family. We might might be celebrating my birthday. You know, doing different things that life puts in your way, but. You know, obviously, we do care about our business, and oh, we try no. to do as much as we can for our business. No, for sure. Um, I think a lot of the things too, just like as as creatives, like what's in the cup? What's in there? Uh oh, got that drink. It's that drink. Yeah, one time that perp perp. Is that water? Is <laughs> <laughs> that water? We, there's a lack of H two O in this studio, so I'm treating my I'm treating my water as uh, tequila right now. As I, I, I had to pour. Well, he he took some. I had to pour some in there and drink mine. I had to ration the water. In here, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're rationing. I'm gonna go outside when it's raining and just you know fill my cup. <laughs> <laughs> All right, were you about to ask Mike? Damn, I don't, I don't even know. We just started talking about water. Uh, uh, what were you just talking about? What were you talking about? About Damn. doing work and business and uh, wearing many hats. I I do have many hats. I want to get that. Adidas sponsorship and that lid sponsorship, a new era sponsorship. Oh well, yeah. how, speaking of what, because I, I know Bun has that. Uh, I, I know Bun has that, like uh, not with lids, but new era, ain't it? Yeah, he with did. The, he did he have did new some, era. He does some work with new era. Yeah. Every now and then, yeah. 
How, how, how did y'all's relationship come? Because like, y'all have a pretty good relationship, right? You're like, you're like, Me and Bun B? Yeah. So it started at that show where I met him. And then would see him. I mean, if, if there's... Okay, there's a couple people that if you go to a concert in Houston or if you go to an event in Houston, you're going to see them. One is Bun B. Two is me. Three is probably DJ Mr. Rogers. And four is probably Dope Easy. I mean, I've been to like, sometimes I do uh, three events, four events a night, and I'll see these people at each event. And it's crazy. I was like, how did you beat me here? And it's nuts. But for Bun, um, some of it had to do with uh, our homie Saman, mm. Saman Ashrawi. Yeah. Um, you know, I met Saman a long time ago in Austin when he was working for the, uh, when he was in charge of the uh, um, TV station at UT when he was still a student. And then uh, he would do documentaries about Bun and, and do different things. And then um, him and I would go to different shows that Bun was putting on either at um, during South by Southwest or doing other shows, you know, during Jambalaya or doing whatever. And just uh, just by being friendly with Bun and him seeing our work and him seeing that we weren't trying to get anything from him as far as monetary wise we were just trying to be cool with him and and create content for him to use not i mean obviously we're putting in our portfolios yeah. too but you know we're just trying to be cool with it him. was a, it was beneficial it was a mutual yeah, understanding yeah. that you know so um a lot of times like you, you become cool with bunny become cool with truck and you become cool with red and and his support and bone and it's like all, all of a sudden these people who are there for for who have buns back 24 7 you become part of that circle. So if you go to a show, you show up. If they're pulling Bun and, and making sure he's protected and whatever, they're pulling you, literally pulling you along with them. I remember, I know Truck has saved me from being mobbed or trampled over a few times in different places in, in Austin or in wherever I am. That also leads to that respect and that you know understanding of, of who's, who's in charge and who's the team leads to those opportunities where, okay, you know, Marco, stand right here, you know, on stage, you know, next no. to whatever. I've seen that happen for him several times where they'll go, they'll get, I'm in the pit, and they'll go get Marco now. <laughs> yeah, and, it's just and, 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 and they'll try to say something, no, no, he good. Yeah. He good. I mean, when you have Truck Buck telling whoever, you know, person, stage, stage manager at whatever venue trying to pull me on stage, and the guy's like, oh, he can't, he doesn't have a wristband. Well, he doesn't have a whatever. He's like, no, he good. And he, like, truck literally picks me up, puts me here, and keeps looking at the guy like, we're going to have a problem? It's one of those things. Like, so it's cool, you know, and I, I've been lucky enough to get some really, really great photos, you know, provide them for, you know, for him for whatever he needs, social media or whatever, even just for him to see. Yeah. Because when you're up there, at, I've, I'm not an artist, obviously, but I can only understand that when Bun's up there, when any artist is up there performing, they're kind of lost in the zone stuff and yeah they're gonna see you know other photos and everything but when you have your guy your person taking photos for you it's a whole nother kind of yeah. level of like wow like i did that like that was me like that's pretty cool and for me i just enjoy being in that company getting those photos making sure that they see how much impact they have i've seen bun show hundreds of times I've heard him perform these songs hundreds of times, and I never get tired of it. 
Yeah. When when international player players anthem comes on and he's doing his verse and Pimp's verse, I'm hype. I'm loving it. Yeah, that song is just a classic for yeah. life. I don't think you could ever get tired of that song. No, that song is just and like cool. for, yeah. his, for his new album, Return of the Trill, that just came out. He invited me into the studio to take photos of him at the studio, and like I basically had listened to a few of the tracks on the on the album already. And I'm like, man, this is this is great. Like, this is amazing. I'm I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy that he asked me to be here. Uh, you know, ultimately, I we were I was supposed to take the photo for the album cover, and it just so happened that that day I was on my way to Austin for a gig, and he was on his way to Port Arthur, and he wanted it done that day, and it didn't work. I mean, he got a good photographer in Port yeah. Arthur to do it, which is which is amazing. I wish it, I wish I had done it. I think hopefully for the next album, I'll be able to shoot something for him but uh but man that stuff is just it just kind of happens just a natural friendship that just kind of evolved all right man so outside of all the fun hip-hop cool stuff you do you also do a lot of cool stuff with uh tacos tacos okay hold on time out before we get into all all that stuff like where did this love exactly come from i know it was like growing up hispanic you were just kind of like you had to eat tacos probably i can't hear you oh well no, you're good. We can hear okay. you. Um, I mean, I am Mexican. I was born in Mexico, which is a blessing. Uh, I will never not see it that way. I was born lucky. Um, I was born right across the border from Brownsville, Texas, which is called Matamoros. Uh-huh. Matamoros, Tamaulipas. Um, now, my family immigrated to Houston when I was young, maybe three or four years old. I mean, pretty young. Um we started out in the East End over by Ninfas on Navigation. Hey, that's my spot. I would go, yeah. I, would, I love that place. I, would live, I lived on the street, and we would walk towards Our Lady of Guadalupe Church uh-huh. every Sunday and walk back home. Um, and then once my brother and sister were born, uh, when I was five, we moved up to the north side, and we've been up in the north side ever since. So um, it's crazy. Like, like you said, you grew up eating Nigerian food. You know, people grow up eating what their family eats. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know any better. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I knew pizza existed. I knew hamburgers existed. But I didn't know what pho was. I didn't know what ramen was. I didn't know, you know, yeah, what a lot I of things were. I didn't get that far. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't eat Indian food. You know, things that I enjoy now that I that I that we take for granted in Houston. Houston is such a big and diverse or the most diverse city in the United States. We, we have an international palate, and we have availability to eat whatever we want. And, and, I, and all, I mean, I wrote part of this for, I did a cover story for Houstonia Magazine, April of 2018, and it was all about tacos. One of the sections was, why did I, beco- why did I choose to become a taco journalist? And one of the reasons was, even with, even being exposed to all this food and all these cultures and all this knowledge of different areas of town where you can go eat the best whatever food you want, the best international food. I still choose tacos. I still choose Mexican food on an almost daily basis. And it's just, it's just, it's just part of me. The funny thing is I wrote, I wrote an article for the Houston Press a few years ago called 30 Days No Tacos, where I didn't eat any Mexican food for 30 days. As a Mexican who lives in Houston... <laughs> That was the most difficult thing I've done. I mean, I've, I've, I mean, I'm, I'm also Catholic, so I've done like, you know, no meat <laughs> yeah, for Lent yeah. or no alcohol or. I mean, I've gone my, I, 
I, I have pretty good willpower, so I can, if I don't want to eat or drink something for a certain amount of time, I just won't do it. Like, I don't have <clears throat> cravings like that. But, man, those 30 days with no Mexican food and no tacos were, were pretty tough. What, what were you eating? Banh mi's, pho, pizza, sandwiches, but I wouldn't get any Bruh. jalapenos, no cilantro, I'm, no I'm beans. From, I'm from Houston and, and Nigerian. I eat Mexican food probably once a week for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not, not just Mexican food, Tex-Mex too. Like, you know, any anything that reminded me of, like I said, jalapenos, cilantro, yeah. aguacate, uh, anything like I just wouldn't eat. And it was tough, man. It was tough. But, you know, it, it taught me something. It, it made me that made gave, me, that gave me a headache <laughs> thinking about that. Because really, <laughs> right? I have like, uh, what's the cheese, the white cheese that, because my babysitter, she would make us quesadillas with. Oh, uh, I love it. You know the white cheese that yeah. I'm talking about? Oh, man. The, the one that melts? Yeah, really like easy. Like the Oaxaca cheese or the. Yeah. That stuff is good. Yeah. Man. And that's like, I don't even. Oh, Nigerian people don't, don't kill me. <laughs> I don't even have Nigerian food in my fridge, but I have like <laughs> Mexican food in there. Yeah. That's I, amazing. I, I actually love, I love Mexican food, but I just can't. I can't eat it no more. Like I like it's I, spicy. Not even that. Not even that. Just like trying to like manage my whole. Now it is body. trying to be cute. Yeah, it is tough to <laughs> find like the combination. So for for a good taco, you have to have a good tortilla, a good filling, and a good salsa. So if one of them isn't as good, the other two have to be amazing, mm. or else it's just bad. I just won't eat it. So it, now it is tough to find the, the combination of all three. But I think Houston, most places you go in Houston, you're going to find a good combination of two and a mediocre to okay third one. Give us the breakdown. So what are the three? Those are the three elements. Yeah. So we said the, the tortilla, tortilla, the filling, whether it's whatever, meat or veggie, veggie or anything. You I vegans mean, out I there. I eat veggie tacos when I, when I can. I, I eat think it's the stupidest thing in the vegan. world. Yeah, that makes sense. Dude, I've tried some of the best vegan chorizo. Here in Houston, mm-hmm. one made by Boombox Taco and one made by this other uh, taco vendor. Her name is Cochinita, Cochinita mm-hmm. and Company. They make vegan chorizo. Is there still egg in it? No, vegan chorizo. Vegan. <laughs> no, but some okay vegetarian would be vegetarian. Yeah, 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 egg, yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know. I think like vegetarians, you can eat like. But well, I, I'm do, not gonna get into that. But it has to do with the seasoning. And with the cooking time and with the love that you put into this food, mm. you can give me vegan whatever all day. And if it's well-made and well-seasoned and well-cooked, I'm going to be happy. All right. About to put you on the spot. Top three. <laughs> no. Yeah, that would be good. We could do that. Um, what are the different variations of tortillas? So you have flour tortillas. And there's different types of flour tortillas. My mom and my grandma would make uh, flour tortillas from, like, northern Mexico. And they were more thin. Mm-hmm. And more spread out. Mm-hmm. That's my preference. Now, Tex-Mex flour tortillas are thicker. Mm-hmm. So what you would find in like San Antonio in the Valley. I like the thick um, ones. And in a lot of Tex-Mex places here in Houston. And those are good too. Mm-hmm. Now, those are good because, you know, if they're well made, they're fluffy. So they hold that better. Heat. But then sometimes when they're handmade, you still have like the flour on them when you're eating it. And it's like, man, this is amazing. That's I my like shit, that yeah. So, so there's man. different types of flour tortillas. Okay. Just like there's different types of corn tortilla. There's the yellow corn tortilla, regular corn. There's white corn, mm-hmm. which is what you would find 
most places. Mm-hmm. Then you have like blue corn tortillas. There's even tortillas that are made out of uh, nopales, which is cactus, which oh. are green. Is it good? It's good. You gotta find green tortilla. Hey, spinach tortillas. I think they're, <laughs> they're probably spinach tortillas. Nah, I, we're ta- we're talking about like hardcore. <laughs> yeah. But um, when you go to the store, there's a couple things. If you go to the grocery store, whether it's Kroger or HB, wherever you go, um, look at the packaging. Look where their tortillas are from. Most of the time, there are local tortillas. But don't buy the stuff that's made either in New York or in, I don't know, somewhere else that it's like, and it has all these types of preservatives in it. You heard it here first. New York, you guys water, don't make no good tacos. Water, salt, and like corn are your three ingredients that you need for, t- for a tortilla. Mm-hmm. And you're set. Okay. You can have maybe one or two other ingredients, but that's it. Don't get the one. Don't get Mission tortillas. Don't get Guerrero tortillas. Ooh. They're made from a company called Gruma, and Gruma is just like the Anheuser Busch oh, of tortillas. tortillas. Okay. Like they push out small tortilla vendors and get them out of business, buy them up, and then <clears throat> take over their their uh, clientele. Um, that's a whole nother story. So when I see people. Putting their taco Tuesday, oh, I'm making tacos at the house. And I see Mission Tortillas or Guerrero Tortillas or other tortillas that are, have like a million preservatives in them. And are, I was like, I send them messages. I'm like on a crusade. Uh, that's good and all, but read this article about tortillas and about the tortillas you're using. Or go to the store and buy local. There's tortillas, uh, tortillerias in Houston that make tortillas for, um, for the city. Or from, I think there's one in Baytown. There's like five or six tortilla makers in Houston that distribute to Fiesta and to Kroger and to H-E-B. Even H-E-B tortillas are are good, are local. Yeah, there was a guy when I was working at Costco who came into Costco to talk with the people. Like, he didn't know how to get to their buyers, so he came in. And in the process of him talking to them, he gave me, it was probably one of the best tortillas. (laughs) Like, I could eat just... And he brought them in like nuke warm, you yeah, know? Yeah. So they still had the heat on them, and uh-huh. I was just like, Jesus. If you ever go into a Mexican grocery store or carniceria, which is a Mexican butcher shop, mm-hmm. and you go buy your fajitas or your carne or your barbacoa or whatever, and right before you leave, you're going to see a cooler that most likely has tortillas that were made that day. Get you some of those. <sighs> Get you some of those because they're still hot. They were made either that day or the day before, and they're only going to last that day or, or the next day. Like, after that, they're going to get stale and hard because they're not made. There's no preservatives in them. They're not made to last. Yeah. So that's why you get, like, a, a half bundle or just one bundle of them. You're not going to get 10 of them and take them home and put them in your fridge. Mm. And when I was in... So for for many years during my childhood, my parents would send me to Mexico to stay with my grandmother and my tias in Mexico. You would have to go to the tortilla every yeah. every day, or to the or every other day, and you had to go to the carniceria every day or every other day, and you had to go to the mercado every day every other day, you know, because that's that's what you did. That's what that's what they do in most countries. You go Ooh. to the market yeah. and you get your food, food for the day or for the next day. There's huh? no there's there's no. Let me go to Costco and buy ten million dollars worth of food <laughs> and hold it in my friz, freezer for three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what are the different mixers? We've already talked about veggies, yeah. which I think is an abomination. But 
veggies are, are good, man. Veggies and vegan tortillas. I have to bring you some that, that are amazing. But you have your standards. You have your meats, which is either beef, chicken, or pork. Okay. Now, they can all be either cut different ways, seasoned different ways, and cooked different ways. But most of the time, they're going to be cooked or grilled, mm-hmm. or they're going to be stewed in a pot. It's going to be a guisado. Like pull the chicken when you can pull that stew. Okay. You can pull it. You can do that to pork, and, or you can do that to, to beef, which is just a longer way of cooking it. Mm-hmm. Which in a, in a stewed area, it's called a guisado. Okay. Or you can put them on a grill or a griddle or a pan, which you're just basically grilling it. So that's one portion of it. So you have the tortilla, you have your fillings, and then you have the salsa. So salsa is a whole other thing. I mean, you can have your green salsa, you can have your red salsa, you can have a chile de arbol. I mean, there's so, so many types of salsa with different types of peppers in it. Now, I don't do habanero mm-hmm. or any of the other crazy ghosts, peppers, or California reapers. Yeah. I think that that's just so extreme and so far off. You're not even tasting the taste. You're literally just burning your mouth and you're burning your tongue. Verde is my, I like verde. That's I like salsa friend. verde. There's different types of salsa verde. One is more creamy. One is more uh, darker. Mm-hmm. One has avocado. One has cilantro. One has jalapenos. One has serranos. My basic salsa is two medium-sized tomatoes and about, I would say, 15 to 20 serrano peppers. Mm-hmm. Boil them. Take the stems off. Once, once it's cooked, take the stems off of the, of the chiles. Put them in a, in, a, in a blender or in a food processor and then put some salt. That's the standard salsa right there. A lot of people add onions or garlic. or And you can do it to taste and salt to taste. But a basic salsa is a basic salsa. And it tastes, it's going to taste good. A salsa is not meant to overpower your tacos. It's meant to complement. So where did all of this... I'm switching off. Like, where did all the... Okay. One, one quick. <laughs> Jasmine is not even here. Uh-huh. That's my fiance. Uh-huh. She's going to give you a shout-out tomorrow. Because <laughs> at first, I was going to go home and just eat something at home. Nah, bro, we're going to get some Mexican food tonight. <laughs> and Mexican food is her favorite. I am starving right yeah. now. No, I'm, I'm starving, too. And that's why I'm like, I'm, <laughs> this, this, this podcast is killing me because I'm, I'm really so, hungry. So, I'm so all hungry. All of, this, all of this has been building up to say that two or three years ago, I, was, I met this gentleman in Miami at a conference at a Hispanic uh, it's called Hispanicized. It's an advertising marketing conference. He's from, his name is Mando Rayo. He's from Austin. Mm-hmm. He wrote a book, him and the other author, his name is Jared Neese. They wrote a book about four years ago in, in Austin called Austin Breakfast Tacos, the story of the most important taco of the day. So this is the book that they made, I think, four years ago now. Amazing book. I had seen it. I had read it. Somebody bought it for me as a gift. It's like, oh, it's amazing. I meet this guy at this conference. He, you know, we have a lot of mutual friends. He f- follows my work, and he's like, "Oh, you're, you know, good photographer. You know, you're, you're always, you know, involved in the in the taco uh, scene industry. You're, you're a proponent for, you know, Mexicanos and for La Raza and this and that." So yeah. Then they get a contract through University of Texas Press to do another book, not just about Austin, not just about breakfast tacos, but about tacos as a whole in the whole state of Texas. The name of the book and the name of the project is called The Tacos of Texas. Mm-hmm. So um, the photographer that they used on the previous project, he wanted to do a documentary. So he moved from being photo to video. So they need to fill the photography role 
and he asked me if I would do it because he saw that I could I had a variety of I could shoot food, I could shoot portraits, I could shoot, you know, environments and real estate and and all kind I had a, a diverse portfolio that was good for what they did because they couldn't hire two or three yeah. people. They needed one guy to do everything. Yeah. So for a whole summer, they had me in Austin and we traveled the whole state of Texas by truck, Chevy sponsored a vehicle that we call the, the Tacos of Texas truck, the taco truck. And we, tra we traveled to 10 different c uh, cities around the state from El Paso, Houston, Dallas, Corpus Christi, Laredo, the Valley, Dallas, uh, Amarillo. Um, it was 10 of, 10 of them, 10 cities in, in the state of Texas, San Antonio, the most important taco cities in the state yeah. for a whole summer. Documenting tacos, documenting the owners of the taquerias, documenting um, backyard barbecue cooks making tacos. I mean, we went, we we basically made the Bible of tacos for Texas. So and I took all the photos. I took the cover photos. I took the portraits. I took the food talk photos. It was it was literally one of the best jobs I've ever had in my life. Okay. I had been, and I tell people all the time, I have been training for this my whole life. <laughs> everything that I've been doing my whole life has been to do this project and that's how much love we put into this project now the Tacos of Texas book you can find it on Amazon we'll drop the link in, yeah. on, in our show notes but the documentary got funding through PBS and we had to reshoot it and we went back to seven of the ten cities and now it's going to come out later on this fall through PBS so the Tacos of Texas documentary is coming out, and I'm the taco ambassador for Houston. So they, when they came back to Houston, I took them where they needed to go. I talked about the tacos in Houston, and each, each city has their own signature taco. I won't tell you what the signature taco is. They will have to watch the documentary to see what the Houston signature taco is. But, man, they really, you know. The, the, the messy part of me wants to know, but <laughs> who has the best tacos? What city? Um, all right, so that'd be San Antonio. I mean, I'm I'm biased to Houston because I'm in Houston. But if it's not Houston, I would probably see. There's tacos all over the place. Now, some two of my favorite tacos in Texas are in Austin. One of them is Valentina's Tex-Mex Barbecue. Valentina's oh, the guys from Valentina's they smoke their briskets for 16 hours. Oh, man, so good. they do brisket tacos. Um, Brad, yes. The guy from Franklin's Barbecue told us to go see the guys at Valentina to eat brisket. <laughs> hey, bro. That's how good, good that brisket is. They make, they make breakfast and lunch and dinner tacos. The breakfast taco with egg is one of my favorite tacos of all time. And their, their, their regular brisket taco is called the Real Deal Holyfield. <laughs> Piece of brisket, fresh aguacate, salsa, like a barbecue salsa mix. Mm -hmm. Oh, it that's is it, yeah, amazing. amazing. Damn it. One of the most amazing tacos you will ever eat. The second best taco that I like in Austin is, is from Veracruz, All Natural. There's a couple of trucks that are Veracruz All Natural, but they also have a storefront in Round Rock and one in Austin, a brick and mortar. Their Migas taco was named the, one of the top five tacos in the whole United States. And Migas is basically tortilla chips or tortillas. So you're talking about tor a tortilla chip taco which to a lot of people doesn't make sense. When you eat their migas taco, it will blow your mind, bro. It will blow your mind, blow your taste buds. Because that thing, I could eat that thing 
all day with their green salsa, it's amazing. It is amazing. Yeah, but yeah, but the Valley has amazing barbacoa. San Antonio, so everybody kind of does their own thing really good. Yeah, even Dallas, man. I mean, I'm not a Dallas hater. A lot of people are Dallas haters. I'm not. I love our sister city of Dallas. They had some good tacos up there, man. They they really do. But obviously Houston, Houston. You talk about taco trucks in every corner. That's our reality. We have taco trucks everywhere. Good taco trucks in Houston. Amazing food everywhere. Yeah. Is, the, is the taco truck at a space on the north side? Avant Garden, good. That's yeah, they're good. Okay, I like so them. I'm not tripping. I, no, no, is. they're good. Okay, I, I, I love that. I like this place. So, so best tacos on the north side of Houston. Taconazo, Taconazo is the best, probably my favorite in Houston. Really? Now, very cool. Well, I think it's because I'm from the north side, and so I'm, I. So I mean, Taconazo is in my top five at least. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Argue. Okay. Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah, after a gig or after the club or after a show or when you, I'm on my way home, I'm getting taconazo. But you know what? I can't even argue that because I haven't been there in so long. My taste buds are so different There's now. There's nothing special so I, I, about I gotta what they go do. Back. I got to go back. It's, it's fajita on a tor- They make so many tacos, they can't, they can't make their own tortillas because there's so many. Yeah. They, so they just buy the regular store-bought tortillas. Or the from a local tortilleria, but it's a regular, nothing special. But their carne is so good, and the queso that they use is so good. Their salsa is so good, and then you put that with their with the frijoles charros, and a Mexican coke. Damn, that's like my death row meal right there. So yeah, taconazo um, is is up there. Boombox taco is up there for me. <laughs> La macro is up there for me. This, um, this is podcast. This is true. Yeah, this <laughs> no photography. So no, no, he just made us super hungry. Yeah, but speaking about tacos, so uh, later on, either this year or next year, I'm hosting a taco documentary. Um, we were originally the original plan was supposed to be about taco trucks and restaurants, like like everybody's doing. Mm-hmm. But then I I realized everybody's doing it. Yeah, Tacos of Texas did it. Um, you know, Me Too is doing it on Facebook. Remezcla has done it. Uh, Pero Like on BuzzFeed, BuzzFeed has done it. So I wanted to change the focus and uh, talk about uh, pop-up, pop-up uh, chefs and vendors doing their um, tacos or their um, food at bars or at outside of venues mm-hmm. or whatever. So I found a lot of amazing pop-up vendors here in Houston that do tacos, and that's what we're focusing on. Myself and uh, uh, Filmatic, uh, my friend Orlando and Christian, who do Filmatic, which is a, a cinematography group out of Houston. Um, they have been wanting to work on this project with me for at least a year and a half, two years now, and we finally had some time. You know, he's busy, they're busy, I'm busy. We finally had like three or four days where none of us were working on any projects. So it was up to me to find the vendors. It was up to them to make it look and sound good. So for three days, we hit up four or five different places. And we're going to maybe two and a half, three minutes, no longer than four or five minutes, because attention spans are so short these days. Yeah, We just want to show the people and show their food and make it look good and... Um, we want... So y'all shot it already? We shot it. Oh. Now we have to edit it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Work and stuff like that. But we just shot it. Now we shot the first four episodes or yeah. four snippets of it. 
depending on whether or not it gets picked up by somebody or we get funding or whatever happens in the future is going to happen in the future. But for now, we have this footage that we need to edit. And uh, I'm probably thinking at the beginning of the year we'll have some sort of premiere mm -hmm. and put it out there and everybody will get an invitation to it. But I think it's going to look, look amazing. I can't wait. There, <laughs> are there going to be tacos there? Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, for sure. Full show. man. Man, what you're doing for the city, like, <laughs> no, for real, like, I, I, I we, because we, you know, we did have different influencers and things like that, and it's cool that you're a photographer slash influencer, and yeah. you might not realize what you're doing, but you really do put the city on the map when it comes to, like, food and just the culture that we have here, yeah. so I commend you big time on that, man. Thank you. Uh, Mike, anything? When are you going to have your own taco truck? Have you thought about that? I have thought about it. Um, my father is uh, going to retire this year. And I think if he ever gets bored of retirement, I think we can either join forces with somebody to do something like that. Or maybe uh, I can put together like a, like a dinner series or like a taco truck um, uh, tour mm -hmm. where we get like, I don't know, we sell tickets for $50 and we get like 10 or 15 people in a party bus and we go to like the five different things. I'm buying two tickets yeah. whenever you're ready. <laughs> so that's always been in my head, you know, hopefully nobody steals my idea. Uh, but um, I'm also working with the uh, Visitors Bureau of Houston, Visit Houston. Um, and hopefully they're, I'm writing some articles for them and doing some work for them and hopefully doing some social media stuff for them taco specific social media for them mm -hmm. that way we get the taco because houston was just named what by gq one of the coolest yeah the restaurant the or something like that something yeah. about right the restaurant we, one right we, yeah, yeah, yeah we've already known that like this is and one of their things like houston is cool because we don't care about being cool that's just who we are and i think that's that's actually speaks volumes yeah that's, and that's really cool. the reality yeah because we're doing things because we want to make Cool stuff we want to know cool people or show people cool things but we're not trying to we're not clout chasers we're not you know trying to get on you know we're just doing it because that's who we are yeah and that that speaks a lot for houston well, i agree that, yeah no, it, does. it does i tell like I, I said it a couple episodes ago uh, just being ourselves man you never run out of that you know but <laughs> trying to be somebody else that, that takes work. That takes work, and you can run out of that. Yeah. That's the reality of stuff. Yeah, I'm so hungry. No, no. I Like, you maybe just want to hit up Nifas and get, like, some, like, a fat, yeah. big old plate of something. Something, dog. God. Because <laughs> Nifas, I mean, I've been going to Nifas for years. Yeah, man. I like that was my that spot. Right Actually, now. one quick story about Nifas is uh, in 1999, I went, the first, was my first time going to Mexico City. Mm-hmm. And, um, we went on a trip through the Catholic Church here in here in Houston, mm -hmm. and one of the ladies was on the trip was Mama Ninfa. When she like rest in peace, you know, she, you know, this was like the last yeah. couple years of her life. She was the coolest, one of the coolest people I ever met. I think I was nineteen at the time. I think rich people are cool. She, you know what? She would she would say, uh, Marquito, Marquito, mi bolsa por favor. And she would just give me her her luggage, and I was like, oh yeah, of course, like. A, I mean, that's how, that's how I was trying. raised. Yeah. So, yeah, of course, I'll help you with your luggage. Putting it on the bus, putting it on the plane, whatever. She would give me like five bucks, ten bucks, whatever. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> I have five bucks now. <laughs> In 1999, $5 was like $20. I think one time she gave me a 20 
like just to literally get her bags off the bus and put them in her room, in her hotel room. And then one time we went to the pyramids. Well, on the same trip, we went to the pyramids. Mm-hmm. And she knew one of the restaurant owners right next to the pyramids, like mm-hmm. this big restaurant. And she paid for all of us to have lunch. Like it was like two busfuls of people. And she she knew the people there. and They were like closed for the day or whatever. And she called. And she was like, hey, we, I got to do two busfuls. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Is she was like the Jay Prince of Houston before Jay Prince <laughs> <laughs> of the culinary world, but yeah, she knew people. People loved her, man, and she was so cool, such a cool person. That's I I I think that's cool that I got to meet her and. and now you, you've been around some influential people. What I wanted to ask you before we got up out of here was, uh, uh, photography wise, yeah. what's next? Um, I mean, I'm almost forty, man. I'm older than most people in this industry. Um, I think that once I hit 40, I don't think I'm going to be able to go to all these festivals like I do now and travel as much as I do now and and uh, uh, look for my next paycheck every week kind of thing. Like I think uh, I probably will settle down and get a, a job at either a media company. Or, yeah, I, you know, slow down, get that, get that, get that nine to five, you know, thing going on, get that steady paycheck and that, you know, saving for retirement going on, and um, I think that's in my future. I don't know about marriage or kids. I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's in my future or not. <laughs> but oh man, somebody's out the door. Yeah, Mister Rogers Neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think uh, that's. That's what's gonna happen for me, but but I mean I'm always gonna be doing my my side hustles, you know. That's that's a Houston way of life, hustling on the side, whether it's shooting portraits or weddings or headshots or you know last minute. I get a lot a lot of last minute phone calls and emails and texts mm-hmm. because um, I think people forget to hire a photographer until the last minute yeah. sometimes. It's an afterthought. Yeah. When we're so like, I'm, so important. Luckily, I have a diverse set of. I'm like taking, I have a diverse set of skills yeah. that I can shoot lots of events, lots of different type of events. So. Oh, yeah, I've seen your work before. You can, you got a lot of range. Well, you run and gun. I've seen, you got like, that too. You do a concert, <clears throat> first few songs, and look back and you're gone. You got, and it's already you, posted. Yeah, it's already posted <laughs> and you're, you're on your Instagram stories at another event. Like, God damn. Like, yeah, yeah it's definitely a hard worker, man. You definitely get the job. I think, the oh, that's done. the thing. I'm not the best photographer, probably in this room. Definitely in Houston and in Texas. I'm not the best photographer anywhere, but I work hard. Hard work. And that speaks a lot of volumes yeah. to hard work usually people gets who, you a who lot want further. to pay you for work for your work. Yeah. So that's that's where I stand. Hmm. Thank sure. you for making us hungry. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for <laughs> the invitation. This is cool. No man, no any problem. Any other uh, any other questions? I'm on Instagram, Marco from Houston. Send me a DM. H-town, H-town. My email's on there. My phone number's on there. I will put it all in the show notes. So if you <laughs> want to reach out, man, but yeah. low key, high key. Houston photography legend Marco right here, man. <laughs> for real, hardest for real. There's a lot like, more work to do. Definitely hard. One of the hardest working men out here, though. For real. Chill. Thank you. But thank y'all for tuning in to the Not So Cool Podcast, where not being cool is. I said it wrong. Cool. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to the Not So Cool Podcast, where we make not cool being cool. Not cool being cool? Sure. You're not supposed to talk all the time. Ain't got this shit knocking, though.